who's the uh, the male identifying version of Fabio in the Netrunner canon? Let's decide this. Let's settle this age-old debate. Hmm. I mean, let's all think of an answer and then say it on three all at the same time. Okay, hold on. Let me get let me get an answer here. I've got it. I don't have it yet. <laughs> okay, that, that's fine. That's fine. Take a moment. I've got it. I've got it. Okay, pants has got it. I'm gonna go with my first instinct. All right. All right. Three, two, one. Thomas Haas. I was gonna say Thomas Haas, but I pivoted to Steve Cambridge with the new art. It's it's definitely oh, yeah. for Big Leah. <laughs> I mean, I got, I also could go with Leather Daddy Gabe, which is the most recent FFG art. Who's daddier? Is it FFG like Core Two Gabe, or is it New Art Steve Cambridge? Oh, dude, it's Leather Daddy Gabe. It's I probably mean, it's Gabe. Gabe. It's yeah, definitely Gabe. <laughs> I don't know why now. I asked that. Like, come on now. <laughs> I do want to actually return to a point. This, this is going to need the the. Just to let you know there, Michael, I mean, we're talking about Leather Daddies and like Flavor Text and who's Fabio. And I love that Leather Daddy and Flavor Text are the same thing to you. <laughs> like they're, they're, e- they're equally steamy. I love that. I don't know what are... you're talking about. This sounds like good fun for the whole family. Yeah, this listen, is a clean episode. Listen, the kids got to learn somewhere. They might also, as well learn from saying... the Slums cast. Also, are you saying Flavor Text is not steamy? I mean, not most can't... of the ones made by FFG. Hello and welcome back to the Slums Cast. If this is your first time joining the Slums Cast, then you've made an interesting decision today. I am Neuropanzer, your co-host, and I am functionally eroded to be a mediocre podcast host. And I'm Josh, samesies. I'm still Netrunner's OKS player. For that same person who is tuning into the Slums Cast for the very first time, I have an important statement to make at the beginning of this. This podcast will not make you better at Netrunner. And it also will not make you a better person. We're joined in that today by a special guest. Josh, do you want to introduce our guest? Absolutely. He's a man that takes two for ones and loses. He's a man that has an epic, epic set of facial hair. And he is a man that uh, I don't know anything else about him, actually. Anyway, it's Cranked. Cranked, how you doing? What's up, you fucking nerds? We're breaking that barrier already. Shout out to you today, Meekles Pants. Yeah. Shout outs to Cranked. Yeah, shout outs to Cranked. And it looks like Cranked is going for the FPM record here on Slums. Listen, no, no one else has fucking tried to break this record. Someone needs to. I have been able to mark several of the other episodes as clean. That ends today. Yeah, that, that shit's over, my dude. <laughs> oh, shit. I keep going back and marking those as explicit. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's fine. I, I go in and edit <laughs> the episode and add the E. <laughs> if you've already decided that an episode of a podcast called The Slums Cast is a thing that you want to listen to. I don't think an explicit marker is going to dissuade you. I don't know much about this podcast, but I do know that Tipper Gore would hate it. That's true. I think that's a fact. I think that that's just science, really. I don't even know what to do with that. Much like I'm sure Al Gore doesn't know what to do with Tipper either. The science is still trying to work that one out. We're bringing the capsaicin already, gents. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take where to go after that. I'm going to take another sip of this capsaicinated oh, beer, and I'm going to let keep, Pants introduce the keep first drinking, segment. Keep drinking. Drinking can only make things better. On the note of making things better, we're going to have an intro question. It'll happen soon. But as we know, that's never the first thing that happens in the episode. We need to give a little bit of background here. So 
This will tell our listeners at home how far in advance we sometimes record these episodes. I recently released an article on stimhack.com. Netrunner cards whose flavor text is ruined by doing too much power rankings, in which I rated the top 10 Netrunner cards whose flavor text is ruined by doing too much. This sparked quite a bit of controversy in the community. There were definitely some arguments about whether my picks were right or wrong. My picks are right. But I actually wanted to start out today by talking about flavor text. Well, I can say that I approve of the article because it's power rankings. So already we're off to a good start. If memory serves, it had Clyde Van Wright on it. It has to be good. Yeah, it had all of the classics. It has Clyde Van Wright. It has False Lead. God, False Lead's fucking terrible. Did it have Decoy? Because Decoy is pretty it fucking has, terrible. Yep, it has yeah, Decoy. Decoy is really... I am so goddamn sick of flavor text that has jokes in it. Like, yeah. uh, w- w- this is not Saturday Night Live. Like, you're not... Stop trying to be funny. I think Michael hits upon this in the article. There's a classic problem with the joke flavor text for FFG at least, but it creeps in in Nisei a little bit. The problem with especially the FFG flavor text is it goes on one sentence too long. The joke is already there if you just let people be smart about it. And like most of Netrunner players are very smart individuals. They'll get the joke. You don't need to explain the joke. TLDR is like the only one that I can think of that is a joke flavor text that like actually kind of works because it's kind of a meta thing. Like, you know, TLDR, they give the TLDR of what the ice does. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a little cute and it's one sentence. So to your point, it doesn't go on for too long, but I think Mm -hmm. most of them, I mean, decoy is a bad, like a really good example of one that just goes on too long. Fucking base Chiraboga Mm -hmm. can be shot out of a cannon into the sun. Fuck that card. Fuck its flavor text. I'm (laughs) sick of it. Get it out of here. It's far too long. Missed it's a cut. five paragraph essay with a joke at the end. If It's like if you tried to find a way to like, if you were in high school and you were trying to like write a, a pair, like write a, like a, a paper for your final grade, but you, you tried to find the verbal way to end it with a pie in the face. That's this flavor text. I'm actually not against humor and flavor text. It just has to be good humor. There are a few that I think actually land in Netrunner flavor text. Do you have it for instance? Burkbugs is actually an amazing comedic flavor text. <laughs> Burkbugs is good because I also think it kind of reveals something about Wizard. And the thing that it reveals about Wizard is that in one word, he's fucking stupid. And I kind of love that because Wizard was so goddamn good. Like in, in a broader metagame sense, he was so good for years. And he's also just a colossal idiot. I think he's like that neckbeard on Reddit that is a know-it-all. But when he tries to know-it-all you... He's getting his facts wrong. <laughs> yeah. yep. And he's so sure that he's right. Like, right? He's so cocksure about it, too. But to speak to your larger point about the metagame, that even kind of goes into the flavor where it's like, once he actually does something and releases like a GitHub project, you're like, fuck, I'm going to download and use this. God damn it. He's like the guy who's like, you know what? You're an asshole, but God damn it, do I respect you. It's more like, you're an asshole, I hate everything about you, but you wrote this one piece of software that I absolutely need on my computer. He's a one-hit wonder. Even had written it and it sucked at first, right? Wizard was not a thing, and then the world changed, and suddenly Wizard was good. Oh, maybe it's like he posted the project on GitHub, and the whole reason it's good is it got contributions. 
Can I can I also yeah. uh, posit a piece of flavor tech that is bad because it's trying to be funny and it isn't. Have any of you ever read the card Giordano Memorial Field? Uh, give me ten seconds and the answer will be yes. Okay. All right. Well, let 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 let's yeah. let's gather some room tone. I I can't say that uh, can't say that I have. Uh... Oh God, yeah, that's just yeah. It's pretty fucking bad, right? The world changed. Concession prices. Well, I mean, even the. Uh It is funny because you pay ten dollars for a beer at a baseball game. That's too real, even now. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the the premise of this whole flavor text is bullshit and it's garbage, and the joke doesn't land because the joke is garbage. I'm agreeing with Craig here. Like concession prices did not. That would mean that they didn't go up. It literally doesn't make sense because, like, maybe in the future, ten dollars for a beer. Damn, hey, that's that's a pretty good deal. Are there any pieces of flavor text that you guys like? Like, unironically, like, let's drop the memes for a second. Like, what what All ones right, are well, like actually good? Yeah, that's actually the intro question. Uh, the the intro question, which, as we know, is always the second or third thing we do every week. As we covered with completely objective opinions that no one can question, there are a lot of flavor texts that are fucking bad. But what is your favorite Netrunner flavor text? I hate that it's a Shaper card. I really do, but it's clone ship. Cut the feed. I don't know if we need to cut the feed for that. Let's yeah. let, okay. let me actually look at the clone ship. I work with customers and I can drop it like in conversations <laughs> and like it actually just scans. Like it's actually just good advice. I don't know. It's good. It's effective. It's short. Um, It doesn't stick around too long. Like, it's really good. The other one that I really like for very different reasons on a much worse card, self-growth program. I really like it when the game kind of get when Netrunner gets a little bit sinister, but in a subtle way. Like, it's very easy for the game to be like, haha, Wayland man shoot runner game over but self-growth program is like kind of sinister in a very you know in a much more subtle way because what it's implicating is nbn has the capacity to fucking like brainwash people like Mm -hmm. just straight up and i love that i've got two answers for like flavor text i think is really good and i think similarly they're for very different reasons one is max fuck you motherfucker max is good that's good it tells you everything you need to know about max short powerful the other one this is the one that convinces me that flavor text that's comedic is not bad. Punitive Counter-Strike. That is a 10 out of 10 flavor text. The original, right? Not the, the original. The new one? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That one. That one's really yeah. good. Read that flavor text to me because I don't remember it. Let me see if I can do it. For, it's something along the lines of, I'd say it's not personal, but corporations are people too. Something along those lines. <laughs> You're off by one word. I'd say Fuck! it's nothing personal. Cut the feed. The cor- I'd say that that counts. One of mine is... And this one is pretty long, but I think it's long in the right way, is uh, Scorched Earth and like OG Scorched Earth from OG Corset, which is, I'd like to remind ladies and gentlemen of the press that several of the buildings damaged in the blast were owned by Wayland Consortium subsidiaries. That's so Wayland to me. Like, I fucking love it. It's like, no, of course we didn't kill somebody. Our buildings were damaged too. Yeah, that one, that one's good. <laughs> and, and, it's, and I think a lot of those early, the early Netrunner um, flavor texts, they often have that problem where they go on for a long time. Like Ice Carver, it's, mm-hmm. it's also a five paragraph essay, but this one, it goes on for a long time, but it's very good. And, it, and, and every word makes it worth it. It's just so like news speaky and it speaks to the flavor of the card so much. I've got a personal theory. I think that a lot of the good flavor texts in Netrunner, especially by FFG, are said by people 
rather than describing events. I also like another kill card. Wizard getting shot by a missile in his stupid face, and it oh. just says game over. That's the right way to do kind of like a game yeah. over y flavor text. Whereas uh did you, Michael, did your um did your article bring up curtain wall? I can't remember. It did, but it's actually in the honorable mentions because you know that someone would try to fire Batty while they're up by one point and call a judge and say they win the game. <laughs> that's why I think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's that's the that's what flavor text shouldn't do <laughs> if there's any risk of confusing an idiot like i don't think it's effective right like <laughs> that's why they have the just kidding though like the just kidding is a public service but can I, hold on can but the I just fire? kidding ruins the joke but hold on is just kidding part of the subroutine no oh god Ju- judge judge hello <laughs> going back to boom it's perfect though not only because it's it's short and says game over, it's because the title of Wizard is Master Gamer. Like, I never put that together. Yeah. I'm it's... about as smart as Wizard is, aren't I? <laughs> I would say a little bit smarter. All right, well. <laughs> At least the beard is fuller and more epic. It just makes me look mm-hmm. smarter. Honestly, I think Boom is genuinely one of the best Netrunner cards just in all of the creative directions and the way that it links to the mechanics also. Wizard's stupid-ass face is just it lives rent free in my brain and it will forever. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Even just from a game perspective, like it's so well balanced, like it costs the right amount of money. It's got mm-hmm. a trash cost. It's a double. So it's not like immensely cheesy, but like it's going to end the game if it goes off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's about perfect. It's the right trash cost too. Yeah. Cause like one, if it costs five to trash, you could just double econ warfare someone and you win because they can't actually trash your boom. High profile targets for fucking cowards. Doesn't that one have a decent flavor text too, though? Uh, it's uh, you can't do this. That's good. That that's too much <laughs> of a, a wrinkle brain topic. So, my, my brain's far too smooth. So speaking about talking about something uh, dumber. So you said that one of your favorite flavor text cards was a shaper card, clone chip. As you know, the slums cast has a long-standing beef with the faction of shaper, which brings us to. The Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. The question on the Beef Zone today, who would win in a fight? The current hosts and guests of this podcast designing cards or the rules of Netrunner? I have to ask, when you're saying the rules of Netrunner, are you talking about like, okay, so the three of us are in like, a boxing ring and across from me is it like the rules of netrunner personified or is it literally just a stack of pieces of paper it's a little bit of both we've so, never had that question before that's a really good question i'm gonna say it's a little bit of both so if you're stepping into a ring and the rules of netrunner is uh ivan drago right us is you know rocky right and we're designing cards, us idiot brains, who are into Roseville Cycle, and the man, the myth, the legend who is CTZ, you know, going up against what Jade, for instance, is trying to do for the game of Netrunner and create a perfect model of the rules with the comprehensive rules of Nisei, who wins in a fight? I think we do. Here's the reason why. 
Jade's trying to make the rules simpler and therefore weaker. If you were going to say we had to go up against the rules of Netrunner circa, let's say, mid-2016, when nested triggers existed, my ass is grass. I'm actually just in a hole in the ground. But nowadays, the rules are so much simpler, I think it's fucking over. I think it's over before it began. I might even take us back in those days, though. You remember some of the cards we designed for the Roseville cycle? I designed one card and it actually broke the game. Like, I don't think the game functions with uh, yeah. the narrator installed. We should tell the listeners of this podcast what monstrosity you unleashed upon the earth. Yeah, so I designed a card called the narrator for the original OG Roseville cycle. And the text was, it is a corp current and it had the current text. So it doesn't go away until an agenda stolen or another current split. And it said, uh, the corp may play operations in response to runner clicks. I believe it was runner clicks. It might've been runner events only, but it was basically the corp. It was, play... it was clicks. It was, it definitely was clicks. Runner okay, clicks. great. So the corp could play ops in response, a la Magic the Gathering, to runner clicks. And the game doesn't function anymore with that cards on the table. Yeah, you realize that Netrunner doesn't have a stack, right? Uh, it does now because I believe um, a certain Canadian player who I'm not, I'm not even going to say their name. I'm going to call them, uh, I'm going to call them Jimbo. Jimbo, the Netrunner player from Canada, was playing Corf and played the narrator. His opponent was like, all right, click one hedge fund. And he's like, hold on, stop, 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 stop. Hedge fund costs five. Pay your five. In response, I will violet level clearing and his opponent's like well okay all right fine so i'll gain my money his opponent is then like all right click two i'm going to run r&d and he's like okay stop 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 in response hhn trace four or whatever it is like the game like it actually stops functioning at a certain level and that's exactly what i wanted what i wanted when i designed that card was in response i see source you or in response i'm gonna hhn Oh my god, I was gonna say Sea Sorcerer HHN shouldn't work, right? And then I looked at the card and HHN says the runner's last turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually doesn't. Oh my god. Yeah, it's the last turn. What happens this turn? Yeah, exactly. It only cares. It's kind of like your taxes. It's like, how much money did you make last year? They don't really care about what you've done this year. At least not yet. But forget tagging the runner on their turn. I want to bring up the fact that like you have just given the corp four extra clicks at least every single turn if they want them. Plus, those clicks can be terminal in the wrong order. Plus, if the runner's already tagged, you can play a subcontract, and then now you have an extra click on top of that. So wait, or you, can, or you can play Biotic Labor and get a click on the runner's turn. You can't spend it, right? You have the click, but you can't spend it. Nothing right, in the rules lets you. Exactly. Netrunner doesn't function anymore because it doesn't have an escape route for what if you have clicks when you're not supposed to. Also, the way that terminals are written, they immediately end the action phase, and they don't specify. They don't specify whose action phase. Who's yeah. action phase. You just, phase. So, you so just apex the runner's action phase. So yes, technically. Yeah. Five on... yeah, <laughs> nice yeah turn, technically. Nice, nice turn, idiot. It'd be a real shame if something happened to that. Oh, by the way, take Vortex. Technically, yeah, it should end their action phase, shouldn't it? I got into trouble uh, with Jade, in fact. It was at Magnum Opus. We were discussing some things over some beverages and i brought up the card that i had designed for the roseville cycle which i honestly don't remember the name of it but the text of the card is resolve the runner basic action card one line at a time oh it's wes's favorite card yeah i remember this yeah. one. <laughs> the issue that got brought up in this conversation was wait 
the last line of the runner basic action card is not play an event. What if you play another copy of this event with this card? I think Wes did that, actually, because I believe what happened was he played another copy of this card while resolving the first one. So he had to resolve the new one in order, and then he went back to where he left off on the first one. I have to say, the look on Jade's face was just deer in the headlights. I'm drunk and I don't want to think about this. Pants, I'll let you continue with the story and tell him what happened there. Oh, yeah. The the next sentence out of Jade's mouth was, you're banned from Netrunner forever. Yeah. (laughs) Is Jade still with Nisa? Because, like, that may not matter anymore. You might be free. Jade is actually still the rules manager. Fuck. Cut the feed. Oh, no. That's why we asked if Jade would win in the fight. I don't want to fight Jade. That doesn't seem nice. Yeah. Yeah, neither do I. Well, that's true, too. But I'll fight a stack of papers. I think it's more evenly matched than it seems at first, because on the one hand, obviously we can break the rules irreparably very easily by just not thinking. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we can get banned from Netrunner for doing that. I'm going to go against the grain, actually. I think Jade would win this fight because what would happen is we would create a card that would initially, yes, break the rules. But I think that Jade is so good modeling Netrunner rules in particular that eventually they'd be like, okay, here's how it works in the framework. We had to rebuild this entire section of the comprehensive rules to get this to work, but here's how the timing structure is. Here's all the checkpoints and here's all the things that you can do to interrupt. When you interrupt and interrupt, this is what happens. And then you go this cascading set of events. And I swear to God, it would add like a hundred pages to the comprehensive rules, which is already over a hundred pages wrong. I said wrong. I meant long, not 100 pages wrong. It's 100 pages of right. Jade and their team, I think, would win this fight. It might take them a while, but they would eventually win this fight. I do actually want to return to a point that we raised just before we went into the beef zone. I think it's important. That point is the fact that Slums is explicitly anti-shaper. In fact, I would say if we had our way, the entire faction would be toast. Uh, really? Toast? I mean... What's wrong, Josh? What's wrong? What's wrong? It's a goddamn bread pun. Of course it's a bread pun. It's time for our next segment. Fuck Shaper. Fuck Shaper. Listen, there's exactly three things I want in life, okay? Number one, my post liked. Number two, my ass kicked. Number three, fuck Shaper. Three things. I don't really ask for that much. Pranked gets it. This is, as we know, one of our segments that we do every single week. But we've gotten some heat from our audience about fuck Shaper. Occasionally our guests, in fact, for our anti-Shaper stance. While our opinions are correct and do not need to be backed up and will not be apologized for, it's worth doing anyway. What do we not like about Shaper collectively? I know my answer, but it might be a hotter take than what you two folks have. So I'm going to defer on mine for a moment. Already super excited about this. I'll go with the cold take then. We'll start off uh, ice cold, chilly here. And it's really just that Shaper has two main problems, which is all of their best cards you want to see early. So you run three X's. When you run three X's of them, the duplicates are shit because you only normally need one copy of their most powerful cards. And a lot of Shaper decks 
don't do the most interesting thing in the game, which is run. That combined with the fact that like half the cards in your deck are shit when you draw the second copy makes Shaper just not very fun. And Shaper never, well, it's always been like that, let's be real. But back in the day, it at least ran a little bit. So it was kind of fun to play. But in the heyday of Lady Haley, that's really all it is, is just installing things and trying to dig for your most powerful cards to install them early. And I don't think that that's really the most fun thing to do in Netrunner. Prepaid Kate gets a pass, right? Because Prepaid Kate is like the anti-Shaper deck. Because Prepaid Kate, think about this, if Prepaid Kate was all events and it had Parasite and Data Sucker and Parasite Recursion, yep. it's like the least Shaper Shaper deck. It had one resource and like three clone chips, a couple hardware, like is mm-hmm. very simple. That deck gets a pass. Every other Shaper deck could get in a boat and fucking die. It gets pass, not because it doesn't install things. It absolutely does. And it does more than the other factions a lot. Like, it installs a lot, actually. There's a card in the deck, Scavenge, that uninstalls and then reinstalls something. But the fact is, with Prepaid Kate, you drew enough and you passed through your deck enough. And you didn't have so many cards that were like these power resources and power hardware. They did something that when you drew fresh cards, you had something new to do. Right. And... That deck was great because it was strategic. Yeah, it didn't run a lot, but it ran. It's not that it didn't have like stupid 420 like pot smoker shape or skateboard tricks. It's that it did those things, but it was all to advance the game plan that which was meaningfully interacting with your with its opponent. It had a meaningful interaction with its opponent at least once a turn, or at least once every other turn. And I think that modern shaper prior to Haley rotating out, it's all just like. I am not going to interact with you for like six turns, and then I'm finally going to once I've built up enough advantage that you couldn't possibly counter me. Every Shaper deck is devolved into let me get my combo out, basically. mm -hmm. Like, I love combo, but I love combo when it's not you building towards inevitability, if that makes sense. Like, I love combo when it's fragile. I love combo when it's like, oh, let me try to combo because you went way faster than I thought you could. So I have half my cards in my combo and I could luck into the rest. Let's go. That's why I love that sports metal deck. um, Because sometimes you just have to fire off like the fast break. And I still think that parts of it should be banned because they're dumb. But at least the combo is fragile in some ways where it's like interesting when you fire off a certain card. I'll go one step further. I think the combo is good when it is the thing that ends the game. When you do your Mm -hmm. combo and you just win on the spot, fine. The problem is that every Shaper combo doesn't do that, and it's actually quite the opposite. Shapers do their stupid, dumb 420 skateboard trick combo, and then they're like, okay, your turn. You do something now. But the fact of the matter is that nothing the corp is going to do matters anymore. Because the Shaper probably now is a remote lock or some sort of like engine that can't be dismantled by anything that the corp can do. So every Shaper deck revolves around doing the stupid, dumb thing that it's designed to do and then saying, okay, pass turn, while the Shaper player sits there with a stupid, coy smile on their face. I think a good phrase is meaningful interaction, because I think it's easy to lose games of shaper by never ever running even Mm. when you're at the point where you can easy to do that you can just sit around and Mm. install literally forever in some shaper decks okay those are bad shaper players though (laughs) but my point is a lot of times it's like if you're up against ctm you're not doing the valve thing of i'm gonna go check your remotes early i'm gonna keep just enough money that i can stay out of hhn range 
or clear the tags if I get HHN, but I'm going to trash the most important things here and there. It's like, I'm going to drop a Parisha, I'm going to drop a misdirection and like, look, I got my combo to trash a thing on your board out. It doesn't feel like meaningful interaction at that point. It feels like I drew the right two cards. It also feels at that point that it's not something your opponent can work around. If you are a top player and you are super practiced, you know exactly the cards to trash. So it's not very interesting because there's no counterplay to it because you know exactly the cards to get if they're played out. Pants, what's your uh, fuck shaper rationale? It's that meaningful interaction. There are interaction points. You can't win the game of Netrunner without running once unless the opponent decks themselves, which a good court player won't realistically do. It's the fact that you take so long to get to that point or you only, even if you get there relatively quickly, even if you're running and jacking out and gaining three off of our revoir or something like that, it's the fact that you're not actually interacting. You're doing a thing that the rules of Netrunner let you do, but it's not really the way that a Netrunner game is played. It's a game action. So mine is a slightly different direction. Both of you folks, you talked about like actual in-game reasons. Fuck Shaper. Mine is every fucking Shaper player. Uh, the attitude of every Shaper player, I'm sick of it, okay? I'm sick of this Ooh. sense of superiority that every Shaper player has at all times. Let me actually specify. Every person that I've ever met who's like, oh, I'm a Shaper player. They all think that they are God's fucking gift to Netrunner. They all think that they're like galaxy brain, like savants. The fact of the matter is that they're fucking insufferable. I am sick of the attitude that because you play green cards, you are better than me. You are not better than all the other anarch and criminal and mini faction players. Change your costume, me, me, change it around. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the attitude. They do some dumb 420 turn bullshit nightmare combo to make 20 credits, and they think that they're a genius. I have no stomach for it anymore. I'm sick of it. So I will point out, in our episode with him, Spags did refer to himself as an old shaper head. So are you in a roundabout way trying to say fuck Spags? He knows what he fucking did. <laughs> I meant what I said. God damn. I thought the beef zone ended a second ago. The beef zone ain't over until I'm six feet under. I think we've made Pants' heart healthy here with that particular... Yeah, thank God. This is going to keep me in, like, heartbeats for a solid month. Before that take, should I have just yelled, clear? Maybe. At the very least, some of our audience might have been able to save themselves their ears burning off. So speaking of heart healthy, I honestly thought with that last pun there, Pants, that it was going to be the baking up Thinklow segment. Well, you were wrong. Okay, so... That said, we do actually have a bonus loaf for the fuck shaper set. Wait, we have a bonus loaf? bonus loaf. loaf. Yeah. We always have a bonus loaf in the fuck shaper segment, Josh. This is not news. <sighs> okay, I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, 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 I'm an Anarch guy, and like some of my favorite Anarch decks like played Shaper cards quite heavily. Like I think back to my favorite deck ever, Noise. Like that deck's not really a deck without clone chip. Ban the faction is actually not the answer that is correct here. Agreed. Um, 
a card that I'm thinking of is like patron sick card. It just happens to be in a faction where if you play an ID of that color, you're not incentivized to drop something relatively expensive early and run. Yeah. I think introducing pressure cards, because uh, patron yeah. is on some level, like that's a pressure card, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're pressuring the corp through, okay, I'm going to run the server. And if I do, like I'm not going to access, but I'll get two cards. Yeah. And those cards can then turn into more pressure. I think if you just give shapers a reason to pressure the corp at certain points throughout the game, if that's at the end of the game, like, I mean, that's fine if, if their pressure card's a win condition. The problem mm-hmm. is that like the best R&D pressure card ever, medium, that's an Anarch card. Indexing, for example. Indexing, great pressure card for a Shaper. Yep. The problem that I see with just making the pressure cards better, we had that. We had a world where indexing was an extremely strong card, and the way that Shapers played it was they got their combo out, they played indexing twice, and they ended the game. I think that you need the lock state to be weaker. You can't just drop an N'Golo and be able to break every server forever. N'Golo is a problem. I think that I don't like when AI breakers and breakers that kind of simulate an AI breaker, such as N'Golo and in a past life lamb, when those cards are good, that's a problem. Those cards should exist, but they should be kind of intentionally shitty. Crips is kind of a great example of this. Crips is fucking sucks from a pure numbers standpoint, but it's a nice safety valve so that like, okay, this card's going to get me through everything, but at some sort of cost. That should exist, but the problem is Angola is way too fucking good. Better than an AI because AI hate doesn't get it. It is, and it's also one of the most efficient uh, co-gate breakers in the game. There's so much going for Angolo that is wrong on it. I agree with Cranked here, and to give a serious answer, one of the things that I think is designed perfectly is Polongi is perfect for paint. Yeah. I hate so, Polongi, but go off. I was talking to Aaron Andrews at some point, like a couple of months ago, and we talked about how there was a lot of paint in the meta. And I think as far as a paint ability goes, Polongi is great because it takes an MU. It is low cost, so you can get it early. It's sort of like inside job where the corp has to account for it, but it's also a virus, which I think is really key, and it only has the two counters. So there's this meaningful interaction where I can use Polongi to get into any server that I want that is one ice, which is also important, actually. If you could use it twice a turn to be a fucked up card, that's how hard adjusting power levels is in Netrunner. Do you have counterplay there? If I happen to have CVS in my deck, if I have a CVS installed, Polongi, if you're going to have a paint effect, that's as powerful as it can be at the maximum. The thing is, Angolo is more powerful than Polongi because it's all in one card. It's efficient at breaking even if you don't need to paint. And when you paint, it's only two credits. I think Angola has always been a problem, will always be a problem until it's gone. Banning Angolo is definitely something that I would do, but that doesn't make Shaper better or better to play or more fun to play. Before I went off on this, where were we at? Because if we're, we don't... we're talking about ways to fix Shaper. I should specify, I don't hate Polonky for balance reasons. I don't think the yeah. card's broken. When I think about cards that paint ice, like the ones that I like that come to mind are like fucking tinkering. Polonky's like, it's a little too easy. To me, especially when you think about like the way that the ways you can reset it mm-hmm. with cards. I mean, Simul Chip does it. If you're really fancy, you can do it with like fucking Contaminate or something. Dex with Knob. I don't know. I don't like that it's repeatable, that it's like kind of repeatable. It is repeatable, but unlike Angolo, it requires you to build your deck a certain way. It requires that your opponent doesn't have counterplay to be at its max value. And I'm saying that Palangi should be the maximum power. That I paint, agree with that. Yeah. That a paint card should have. And Angolo is 
better than that. That's why it's and Golo and Lamb are, are too are too yeah. easy. How you make it better, I think, and I think this applies to all factions, is you concentrate on the thing that makes Netrunner, like, in my opinion, the best game. What is the most fun thing to do in Netrunner? It's running. That's the most fun for both players when you don't know what the fuck's going to happen, when running is a question, when you're running too early or running too late. This is why I think HHN is a healthy card to have. Making that gamble on that card when you're down on econ, but you're the runner. And I know I'm going to get HHN, but should I run here or should I not run here? I think you do the same thing with Shaper. I think you do the same thing with all factions. You give them cards that give them incentives to run. You do it for different reasons and different effects and stuff like that. I think you keep all of the run econ stuff in criminal because that feels criminal. I think that you keep all of the, I'm going to blow your shit up stuff in Anarch. And I think you ratchet up all the influence on all this stuff. I don't think you want all of the best pieces in the deck that is the best deck. But I do think that Shaper should have a card like Patron or like Daredevil, cards that incentivize them to run. I think drawing cards for Shaper would be a great thing to be their thing that they get from running. It's just that Daredevil and Patron are way too fucking expensive. I don't know if you've ever had a Daredevil and a Patron on the board together, but it's fucking incredible. They're a quality time anytime you run the selected server. You have to break two ice because you actually have to get through the server. It's not that good. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if they were lower costed, it would be awesome because then you could at some point do it for value or say patron allowed you to access to. But the reason that other factions don't take it is it's five influence. So Shaper gets the upgraded John Massonori and it costs two, but it's five influence. So nobody's going to splash it. I've always thought that Netrunner design should play around more with unsplashable cards. because we And it's not like there's no precedent for this, right? Yeah. Agendas are unsplashable. I can't play yeah. Project mm-hmm. Beal in my Titan deck. So why aren't we doing that same thing with like faction-defining cards? I think Account Siphon, a lot of people complained about Account Siphon back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was not one of them, but it was very much a card that really got some people's goat, right? If Account Siphon was only playable in Criminal, I do not think people would have the same kind of problem with it. So I really strongly think that Netrunner design should at least consider the idea of making faction defining cards unsplashable seeing some of the direction that the new shaper cards are going like effect on agenda scored or stolen if it's a powerful effect that matters before the board's completely built that gives you incentive to run and try to snipe agendas there is a lot of precedent for that specific text when an agenda is scored or stolen there's a lot of precedent for that being really good aaron Mm -hmm. marone leela patel like a lot of those cards are nuts Human See, first, right? Yeah, Let's human first. Stuff. Fuck, blew up the meta. Um, Imagine if human first was not, like maybe it gives you less money, but it also isn't unique, so you can actually run three. Yeah. yeah that, card's, that card would be sick. The thing that does excite me, this is true not just for Shaper, but really for every faction, I want to see more Haymakers. And June, when she put out kind of like her vision for what Netrunner under her is going to look like, she specifically was like, I want shorter games and i want more haymakers and when i think about haymakers i'm thinking back to like my favorite eras of the game account siphon fucking keyhole indexing medium those are some of my favorite cards and when those cards were good the game was awesome and right Mm -hmm. now i think the problem that a lot of players have is you'll make a decision on turn five where you spent like two extra credits during a run and now it's turn 12 and those two extra credits now that you don't have them now you lost the game It's a slow, protracted process of losing the game because you were slightly inefficient. The Shaper effects that I'm seeing that are scored or stolen. Tau is busted, straight up. Want to talk about Shapers getting good? That idea is insane. 
I'm sure that there are builds of Tau that are just going to be do the normal shaper bullshit, drop a professional contacts for five credits and like quick up and then install and go. I'm sure that that'll be a deck. But if you can instead say, I've got diversion of funds in my deck, you score your first agenda, you're going to zero. That's sick. That is aggression out of shaper that I think is a good direction for the faction to move. Another card that actually, I think it looks somewhat innocuous, but supports it really well is Telework Contract. The fact that it installs for one and gives you money to go do something on the corpse board, you don't have to waste your entire next three turns because you've installed a Proco that costs five. Telework is sneaky good. I think a lot of those Shaper cards in Gateway are really good. I mean, obviously Conduit is like, you want to talk about a Haymaker? Conduit's a fucking game ender. Listen, don't let this confuse you. I'm still completely fuck Shaper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the problem is now that Tau's like, Tau's just going to make every Shaper player be like, I told you so, Shapers are great. So fuck them. I could see Shaper turning into a faction that has decks that are fun enough to play that I can ignore the the Shaper superiority complex. I think you'll see Shaper good yep. stuff decks out of Tau because like you don't need to build around that ID. It's, it's good enough because like that ID kind of just says like slowly dismantle a scoring remote. What if we took the scoring remote and we moved it somewhere else over the course of the game? That's Tau yeah. in a nutshell. <laughs> Called Shot, I think there might be a top tier deck in there. It strikes me very similar to Leela's ability. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think that it makes perfect sense that there would be something super strong out of it. I'm actually kind of like excited for Tau because while I am not an old school shaper head and I'm not super excited to play shaper quite yet, one of the things that I like about Tau that's different from some of the other shaper IDs is it's not pure value and it is skill testing. Moving the ice to get your maximum value and make that ID worthwhile, you have to know where the ice needs to be and where you want to run. I do want to know before we move on, Slums Cast is pro wrestling and it is pro the Rocky series. So we are indeed pro Haymaker and we are excited to see Netrunner eventually move into that territory that June was talking about where there are more Haymakers. And speaking of the things that we like so we can get off the factions that we don't like let's talk about a faction that we do like it's time for well michael you want to introduce us it's time for deck and bamboozled hell yeah been looking forward to this one all right so cranked you brought us a deck to talk about today it's a deck that i'm not sure i've seen it's called m-o-h-n-e-h am i saying that correctly yeah monet m-o-h-n-e-h yeah okay. there's uh, a bunch of different ways you're, you're basically right Janelle Monet. Janelle oh, Monet. Yeah. Um, tag me by your Aries. You know what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this deck is the most fun I've had ever playing Netrunner, and it's really not close. If God came to me and was like, "Look, I will make any deck you want legal again, but you can only ever play that deck for the rest of time," this would be a snap decision for me. All right, tell us about the deck. In that case, the deck is this is from mid twenty eighteen. A few of the anti-folks took this to Minnesota regionals. We all got an Airbnb. We took the whole weekend off of work. It was tight. We met the sleep demon. And the sleep demon brought us this deck in our nightmares. And we were so <laughs> struck. We were just like in awe of the thing that we were like, okay, so it is written. So it shall be done. And I think four out of five of us played this. Joe Shup wouldn't, um, but me, Spags, Lucas, and Aaron all took this to MN Regionals. And it was super fun. Seeing some stuff in here that I love. 2018 playing Amalia. 
that was actually my unique include. We all took slightly different variations of this deck. The cannon version that actually, like, that Spags and Aaron had cooked up, instead of that Malia, it had a Chrissium grid. The Malia is much more of a flex. Because you have to think about the time that this deck was being played, right? Do you remember what the most popular runner deck in mid-2018 was? Like CV Val. CV Val was the best yep. deck. And there was yep. nothing fucking better than getting their CV out. They get like three or four counters on it. They don't pop it because they're like, oh, I'm going to wait till it gets the six and pop it on your draw step, pop, pop, pop. And you're like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Res Malia, name Clan Vengeance. Now it's blank. Fuck off. It was so great. God, what do I do? Yeah, it was like, oh, that thing that makes your deck work? Oh, that, that doesn't matter anymore. That was cute. Bye-bye. I did it to a pot-smoking shaper player, the Cabernet's a Woo deck with a pawn shop. I was like, yeah, nice pawn shop. Uh, have fun clicking for credits there, buddy. Oh Actually, god, it's it's just non-virtual. Yeah, oh, it doesn't care. Yeah, you could wait till the runner goes to zero and pay six to install Liberated Account and flip it name Liberated Account. The That's Liberated that. Account got famous in uh, 2020 by getting second of Worlds, but yep. right, thinking of this, like, getting to blank Clan Vengeance 2, getting to blank Aesop's 2. Yep. Oh, Aesop, Proco. The only thing that I wanted to blank but can't, but like couldn't at the time, was Wheel. Blanking turning mm-hmm. wheel would have been mm-hmm. insane, but yeah, yeah it's fine. We we, t- we take virtual. those. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell James was another fun one to blank at the time. That oh one was God, fun. he that was, one was legal. That one was fun to blank mid the HQ run. Like they they thought they were so cute. Like like running, they're like, okay, run HQ, and then it's like, okay, would you like to access? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, Resmalia name Maxwell James access. Here, here's my hand. Go for it. Still legal and pre errata. The errata is what killed it, not the rotating. But oh yeah, it, it was so tight. I want to know two things. Yes. Number one, I wasn't running Maxwell because Sam Sweet at the time had said that Maxwell is the worst card in Val and you should just play pull up. So I just played pull up. I did not regret it. And I feel lucky to have dodged this deck on the entire day. I don't think that I played a single anti member that was on this deck. I did play Joe Shup and I ended up getting like fourth in this tournament. We ID'd last round, I remember this, because I think you and I were cleared for the cut, and you were like, you want to ID it? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to ID it. I swept my first two rounds, and I ID'd with you, and I ID'd with Spags. Yeah, so... Smart this, move this, seeing the deck, yeah. This deck yeah. was such a respect check because I think a lot of people like they look at the list and they're like, okay, it's a 54 card deck, it's 11 agendas, it's yep. eight ice. Okay, this deck's a joke, right? It's a meme. And I'm like, no, 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 no. this deck's really good. <laughs> like, this deck's gonna run you the fuck over if you don't know how to play against it. I didn't. And that's why I was like, yo, Spags walked up to me. He's like, he's like, ID. And I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm gonna get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like that's but, no dude somebody shared a version of the stack with me prior to that tournament and like you guys were kind of tight-lipped about what you were on but like i also scouted some rims and like i was seeing you guys play this and i was like nah, th- nah. This was i don't our, know this what was, to do against this deck this was our world's deck had a certain uh, uh, canadian player who i'm not gonna call jimbo if jimbo hadn't lobbied to get museum banned like this was our world's deck we would have just kept mm-hmm. tuning this up because people actually did not know like this deck was on a level that i think people weren't really prepared for yeah uh, and it was good in ctm the world's deck that's bags and i played it was good in ctm but it was so much better in near hub yeah 
you I got just, any good stories to share? I this? mean, Blanking Clan Vengeance was my absolute favorite. Because I was playing against a guy who was on Ketzel CB. So he's basically trying to be like the indie version of CB Val. I knew what he was trying to do. Like it was written all over him. He's like, I'm going to wait till you get to five. I had two Aries scored, so he can't pop the CV on my turn. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get it to five and then fire it. And he's on three and I res the Malia. And I'm like, okay, now what? Like, you want to come trash this for three credits and two tags that you now have to clear the hard way? You're not going to do that. We both know what happens. That was my favorite. Also, can I just ask you guys to take a quick poll? What are the three best clicks as Corp in all of Netrunner? Resing Lady Liberty and putting an AR in your scoring Absolutely. Yeah, the fuck yeah, it is. The best three clicks in Netrunner are Res Lady Liberty, add areas to my score area, pass priority. I was on Triple Aries, Lady Liberty, CTM. It's so tight. Like it, It's it, fucking it, sick. It's so tight on a level that can't really be explained in words. You kind of just have to feel it. Yeah. That might be the three best clicks in Netrunner, but the four best clicks in Netrunner are Scorch, 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 Jeeves Click, Scorch. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Hard to pull off. You have to inexplicably be playing three Scorch in like Vitruvius decks, which by the way, ban yeah. Vitruvius. Absolutely ban Vitruvius. So would that be a triple hell action if you pull that off? We just named four clicks, right? So the Scorch thing, that's a quadruple hell action. Maybe the first ever. Oh. You, by the way, you might want to edit that out. I don't know that like, the listeners of this podcast are ready for a quadruple hell action. Well, we can't edit, so it's too late. People yeah. will have to just live with the fact that that's a thing in the world now. But I think that eating an Aries into the score area, like the runner is now in hell. By definition, that has to be a triple yeah. hell action. It's a triple hell action, for sure. Yeah. It's actually more of a pure triple hell action than like things that are three different clicks. It is a single triple hell action. You could argue that oh. it's a tri- triple hell actions. This is truly a triple hell action singular. Exactly. The biggest crime, honestly, is why the fuck is museum banned? Can anyone explain this to me? Can anyone explain to me why in the year of our Lord 2021 museum is still banned? There's no reason for this card to be banned anymore. I've been tooting the horn for museum for probably the better part of three years now. There's no reason for this card to be banned. Don't, but like, NPE the, cranked. Listen. <laughs> No, I don't <laughs> care. Like, why are we banning cards for aesthetic reasons? It's not even aesthetic reasons. I've actually gone to bat for Museum of History in the internals of Nisei, in the bowels of Nisei, in the underground. And uh, I have uh, tried to get this card off the list there. The only remotely compelling argument that I've heard is the manual dexterity argument. Manual dexterity was what so, I was about to here, say. Here's my counter argument. So... Keyhole, right? Okay, so if I'm a runner and you're a corp and I play keyhole, when I'm playing keyhole, what I'm basically saying implicitly is I'm going to put the onus of shuffling on my opponent. I'm doing it to you. If I put museum in my deck, I'm doing it to me. Yeah, keyhole is also (laughs) rotated, though. Okay, but that's the principle, though. It's like, I'm not, by playing museum, I'm not being like, okay, fuck you, shuffle your deck. I've read museum and I'm saying, fuck me, shuffle my deck. Yeah, I agree. When you guys played that deck at that regional, I didn't really sense that anybody was delaying the game by shuffling. I don't think the manual dexterity argument is a solid argument for keeping this card banned. And I don't think with it unique, which it has been errated to be forever. Five years um, now, something like that. Four yeah, like I don't think that museum is overpowered. There's enough search and shuffle effects in Netrunner that even doing it once a turn is like, it's not a thing. It's not 
a thing that's delaying the game. It's not a thing that is putting onus on your opponent, like you said. This card, honestly, just deserves to come back for the short time that it'll be there, because the set after Gateway, it rotates. So let us just play fucking Museum, is all I'm saying. I mean, the manual dexterity argument definitely doesn't hold water right now when all tournaments are online. Agreed. For sure. I also don't know that I think that banned decisions should be made because of the fact that all tournaments are online now, though. I think that they should still assume that, like, meets-based tournaments are happening because, like, New Zealand is a place. I know it seems like a mythical place where, like, you can go and do things with people, but it 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 is, in fact, a reality, so... I agree with that point, though. Like, there's nothing over the curve about Museum right now. The only sin that Museum had was it was dumb for a while. It was a busted card when it was not unique, and the runner could, like, trash two of them, and then you just shuffle the other one back in because you have all three out, and you could tutor them all up with Mumbad City Hall. That's over now. Like, we live in the year of our Lord, 2021. You can't do any of those things anymore. Why won't they let me live? Anyway, the deck won. Wait, the deck won? Yeah, we took first, third, and fourth. We lost a total of three games on the day. Wait, what? Oh. Oh. Cut the oh, feed! Cut that... the feed! Cut the feed! I'm sorry. I think we may have given you the wrong impression about this segment. What? We're supposed to have a deck did that I do? did bad. Oh, okay. Um, you got yeah, anything have... else for us? Yeah, I do. Here, let me um, let me just send this over here. All right, let me open up my octagon.com. Yeah, feel free to open up Netscape Navigator and go to uh, rocketmail.com here. Oh, okay. no, right. I'm... Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> right away, that is egregious. There's it says lot. Green and Geist in the name here. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen. There I, are I, two I, ways that this could go, and both of them are bad. Either it's a green deck that plays Light Geist, or it's a Geist deck with green cards, and neither of those is acceptable. Either way, you just went double shaper. How dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare listen, you? This was a different time. This was Store Champ season 2018. So this is before. <laughs> I would say this is before I saw the light. Um, you sold your soul to Shaper for a I did. store champ? But here's the thing. I did shitty. So in a way, I got what I deserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the deck in a little more detail. Let's break yeah, this please. down. I'm just going to go ahead and read through things, and then let's talk about it after we're through the list. So sure. this is a Haley list. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably going to like have some reflux while I'm reading this. Events. I see 12 of them. We've got a Freedom Through Equality. Three deep data mining, one interdiction, one legwork, two by the AR lab access, one on the lamb, three sure gamble. I don't know if I can do this. Two hardware, astrolabe, 22 resources, two armitage code busting, one death, three daily casts, three gabali, three congamato, three laguna velasco, two same old thing, two street peddler, three tech trader. And then over in the program category, we have one inti, one savant, one degdeer, three grappling hook, one misdirection to self-modifying code. So this is the the former one that you had mentioned. This is a green deck that plays like Geist. So this is this mm. was a pre-doof world when criminal was the bad faction. But we were getting all these cool tools like Gabali and Kongamato, these like fake breakers. Some of the anti-boys were like, okay, well, can we play this in a green shell? And it turns like literally that is a thing that you can do. Um, <laughs> but it is not a thing that you should do. Yeah. Let me explain why this deck did bad. It's actually not really the deck's fault. The problem is, so I took this to a store championship in Northern Illinois, just outside Chicago in Niles, Illinois. And this is right after, I want to say, 
U.S. Nats. So that was the one in Columbus, Ohio, I think. Anyway, the hot deck was as Mari, Wishbone as Mari that like Eric C played. And it turns out that this deck with 22 resources in it fucking sucks shit when you get turn one <laughs> scarcity out of his Mari or CTM in five out of five matchups. Yep. Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty I'm bad. not joking. Every single game, I got turn one scarcity. Mm-hmm. But you have one interdiction. <laughs> hey, hey, I have a free of three quality. I cleared a scarcity with FTE that day. Yep. Oh, yep. God. And I I'm, would not do it again. Uh, that's terrible. I will say yeah. that there is a better version of this deck that actually makes it even more egregious because it's actually kind of good. And it was Aki's Animal Circus. The only change believe it or not, to that deck, is that you take out the deep data minings for Hushooks. Oh, yeah, so this is a, this is one of the Zoomer decks. And you take out the Interdiction and something else for, well, you're basically running 3x Freedom Through Equality, and then you're also running Equivocation. Because right. it's the seventh card off Hushook. Once yeah. you get to the yeah yeah bop, yeah 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 so yeah so you just install like six one cost cards bop 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 play freedom three quality yeah who yeah, can see yeah it, yeah okay this has the like I'm gonna install Proco and then my actual game starts four turns later problem yeah, but yeah. even worse because it's Laguna Velasco which like. <laughs> It draws you econ in the form of your cards have econ on them, but it does not gain you any money. Yeah, this so deck- you're not running anything. Yeah, this, the, the weird, this the weird, poor. <laughs> the weird catch twenty two on this deck is like you actually have zero dollars until you start making runs. And actually, the best counterplay against this deck is don't res ice because then the runner has yeah. no money and they can't yeah. actually do anything. <laughs> so yeah. fucking dumb. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like the thing, like it on paper, it's like oh, okay, so I'm geist, but I get to install things quicker, and I have these draw engines and like i can levy and put everything back but the thing is like the fun part about dice was playing the trash cards and drawing a card and basically you strip out all the good things about that are that are at least remotely fun about guys and you fill them with green cards instead yeah you fill it with fake news econs basically yeah. <laughs> there's two fucking armitage code bustings you're desperate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two goddamn armitage why is that not proco though uh, because of Laguna, you can't play Laguna and Proco in the same deck. Really, like you can. It's a thing you can do, but you shouldn't. You want the cards because, like everything else besides Laguna, is cheap to install, right? And like, it, there's not that much that costs above like two or three. But the thing is, you have no other econ. I'm, I'm well, telling you. I'm not you, saying I'm right. L- let me, I'm let me telling you <laughs> that Animal Circus deck that I was talking about, the one that was good, like right after Nisei released their first set, it plays Proco. And not Laguna. Well, I mean, Nisei rotated Terminal Directive, but it would have played Proco anyway because Proco is getting you the card and the credit. The and the credit is the important thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Pro- Proco would have been, I think, the answer, but the other answer would have been play something else, honestly. I mean, yeah, yes, don't play Shaker. Agreed, Shaper, agreed. But... Yeah. <laughs> right, like, I'm looking at this misdirection and I'm counting up clicks in my head. It's like, all right, I am going to run an asset trash it take two tags because i'm a fucking pot smoking shaper and i don't have an ability to challenge an early aries and now i need to click my armitage code busting twice to pay for my misdirection but you don't give a shit about their game plan right what you're doing is you're building towards your deep data mining and you're hoping that you can race them that you then why have misdirection at all because if they do hhnu because this deck has no money you need to get rid of the tags somehow so you have that safety valve in case you're going to deep data mining at uh, six credits. 
I agree. That's the idea. The problem is I have two self-modifying codes and no clone ship. So I can't really get the misdirection when I want it now, can I? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're probably spending these self-modifying codes on like, oh, I'm going to get my grappling hook. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually grappling hook. If you have to run the remote, you can use it for Savant or Deg, or you can use it for Deg to your early to make installing the hooks cheaper. But um, Josh, you're right. Like that was kind of the intended play pattern was like laser focus on R&D to just fire deep mm-hmm. data mining as many times as you can. The problem yeah. is, is like, it's not good enough. <laughs> Installing the actual breaker plan, Degdare plus Savant is, I'm pretty sure you can full charge an account siphon and still not have enough money to do that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Degdare's two, Savant is four. So it's five credits. It's hyperbole, but like for this deck, that's that is like, oh, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's infinite money. That's infinite money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, if they install one ice, you actually have to break. It is such a beating. So was Angolo not out at this point? Correct. This is mid Katara cycle. Angolo was later. Lamb, I think, may have been. Yeah. But the problem is you're not in love with either of those cards without Degdeer out because of the MU thing and you're a deep data mining deck. So like, again, it's kind of this weird catch 22 where it's like the deck kind of fights itself. They fire off a deep data mining and your counterplay is don't raise the ice so that you only have two free MU because of your fucking stupid grappling hooks. Yeah, you can't pre-install the grappling hooks because of you're trying to fire DDM. Deck defeats itself. You have to wait to install the card that you splashed for three of and paid six influence. Yeah, yeah good idea, moron. <laughs> the thing that is super frustrating about this type of deck is all of that aside, like all of the weaknesses of the deck, the like fact that you can get completely crushed by a turn two scarcity even, the fact that it has no money, the fact that it has this wonkiness with when the grappling hooks have to come out and when you can get in this direction, you can still get steamrolled by this deck. If you oh, yeah. just aren't fast enough, or if you, you draw can, your cards in the wrong order. You can just lose. And then if a Shaper player is playing this, they'd lord it over you. It'd be like, see, I was the genius all along. Just put, as planned. Yeah, all according to Keikaku. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Like you you just got fucking light Yagami. <laughs> fucking unreal. Shaper players oh, are my at it God. again. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on. Weren't you a Shaper player when you were playing this deck? So, I mean, did you do that? Yeah, but I also hated myself when I was playing this deck. So, oh, okay. I mean, it really, the you know. The appropriate level it, of self, uh, self-loathing, yeah. I also lost every game with this deck. So, like, I mean, God punished me. Like, God found a way to punish me. Oh, praise Gord. Praise Gord, praise Jangus, fuck Father Dan. Fuck Father Dan. Yeah, this is, oh, man, this is a deck. This I, is an abomination of a deck. I have definitely played decks that are like this, where I'm like, God, I guess Geist is the right call. Like at earlier points in my Netrunner career before I was just like, no, nah, I'm going to play decks that I actually want to play. And I have to give a tip of the hat slightly in the sense that this is a deck that clearly you didn't want to play, that you didn't enjoy playing, but that you thought was the right call and you brought because you wanted to do well at the event. But that's actually what Deck and Bamboo Assault's about, like trying to make what you think is the right call and sometimes you're wrong. And that's an important part of playing Netrunner that people need to remember exists. Yeah, I brought IG on Corpse Side. It was just after Rashida came out and I went 4-1 mm. and it was tight. And I brought this fucking pile and I went 0-5 with it. So yeah, good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that that is enough talking about Shaper for this podcast. We've had a fair amount of talking about Shaper already today. I think that we need to give our listeners a break. I think that we should move to our next segment. Josh, 
I believe our next segment is one of the ones that involves the most discussion on this entire podcast. Do you want to lead us? Absolutely. This is going to be a really long discussion. It might, in fact, take up the majority of the episode. It is, in fact, time for Ban or Nab. Ban or Nab. Museum of History. Nab. 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 Free it. Free it. Free it. No. Moving on. So the next segment is bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. That's correct. It is time for bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. As always, I need to remind our listeners, this podcast is not weekly, but the card that we are recommending for bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it is specific to this week. If you listen to this podcast months later, fuck you, you missed out on the scoop. Correct. I believe you have a card for this segment. What is it? I chose the gauntlet. An excellent choice. That is indeed a bad card that you should not play. The gauntlet is maybe my least favorite card in the game. It's kind of a couple of cardinal sins. It's a bad console, and the other cardinal sin is that people think it's good. And this is maybe one of the worst consoles that I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. To give some context on the gauntlet, like I played the gauntlet once in a cash refresh deck cash refresh if you're not familiar any of our listeners this is a format where you have one copy of the core set you have the most recent cycle and you have one big box of your choice even in that incredibly limited card pool where you are missing super fundamental stuff that is important to be able to play the game of netrunner it was still by far the worst card in my deck the gauntlet makes me angry when i look at it It's just so egregiously shitty. I I really can't stress this enough. The fact that people will unironically put this in their deck. Like if I see a deck list on NRDB and a player is trying to justify why they are unironically playing the gauntlet as their console of choice, I'm just going to assume that they can't correctly evaluate Netrunner cards. Like that's just the logical conclusion that I'm going to draw is like, oh, okay. So this person has no idea what they're talking about when it comes to what cards are good and what cards are, are pure shit. Yeah, I mean, again, in that cash refresh context, I was running it because I was like, I literally do not have any legal options for me to play that give me HQ pressure. It still would have been better to have it be econ and be able to run HQ twice instead. I think that that's the most egregious part about this card, though, is not even the effect or like anything on the card except for the number in the top left corner. Like this card costs a million credits for an incidental ability if it cost two it'd be fine like it wouldn't be great but it'd be fine if it costs one it'd be amazing because you could just pop it out and if it fires great if it doesn't whatever Um, i actually can see why some players probably think it's a good console this this is a trap card they're playing against bad corp players yeah this is a trap place where the gauntlet actually works is there's a shit ton of ice on hq and a shit ton of agendas in hq it, it's a not even it's, player will not have that happen. It's not even that. It's there's a shit ton of, of ice on HQ, and there's a shit ton of agendas in HQ, and all the ice is cheap enough such that you can get repeated runs, and you have enough money to install this thing, and you have enough money to get into HQ enough times that it's actually meaningful. There's yeah. so many egregiously bad things about this card. The number in the corner. This costs five credits. 
You yeah. can for one credit less, you can just fucking play HQ interface. This card co- costs five credits with no way to cheat it out in the faction that it's in. This card gives you two MU. What you're gonna use that MU for in criminal, I don't fucking know. Because you don't install any programs. You need you don't even need the four MU that God gave you in criminal. This card costs one influence, so it tricks you into thinking that you can splash it into other factions that have better console selection. Shaper, you can just play Astrolabe or a dumb mem chip. Anarch, you're spoiled. You can play fucking turntable you can play patchwork you can play maw there's so many options for better consoles and anarch and the many factions like you really don't have a reason to play their their other factions right so the gauntlet tricks you into thinking that you can play it in a non-criminal faction but the reality is that you cannot and it tricks you into thinking that you get additional accesses but the fact of the matter is you don't even get that all the time you only get that if you can break all the subroutines on the pieces of ice that are on hq if the corp doesn't res hq you just paid five credits for nothing. Right. Gauntlet should be a card that gives you extra HQ accesses. You oh, know what card... shit. It says you know what... broke all subroutines. It doesn't say ice passed. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> if you inside job, you don't You don't get, fuck you. You don't get the access. You got to pay the toll. What the fuck? This card <laughs> is so bad. That's what I'm saying. This, this is actually, I think, my least favorite card in the game. It's not the worst card in the game. Not even, not even close. But the fact is, is like you look at this card and everyone, when they first look at their, this card, they think that it's better than it is. And it's actually so much worse. Right. The other worst thing about this card, in addition to the five things that are named, cons on the art. Like, how could it get worse? Does it even synergize with Khan at all? Um, I don't recall off the top of my dome what Khan does. Khan so, allows you to install a program paying one less after you've passed a piece of ice. Oh, so Khan, you can inside job in ice and you can get the install. <laughs> don't quote me on that. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I, I just checked it. You're, you're actually exactly right. Yeah. So Khan, you can inside job or spearfishing HQ or whatever server. It doesn't even have to be HQ. And you can get your cheap install. This yeah. thing, you don't even get that luxury. <laughs> Why does it cost five, though? Like I said, if it costs two, it's maybe playable. And if it costs one, it's great. Well, not even great, but it's one okay. For, I mean, one for two MU is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Or even two for two MU is really good. But say you even bump the MU down to one, if it costs one or two at that point, it's an incidental effect that sometimes fires. And I think that that's fine for an effect like this. But once you go above two for an effect that's incidental, it doesn't matter what the card is actually doing. It's bad. The only reason, for instance, that the GPI Zomba thing is good is GPI makes that console not incidental, right? That's the only reason that that 419 deck was good. Once GPI was banned, Zomba went back to being like really fucking terrible because it costs four and you only expose a card even in 419 once a turn, if that. And only getting paid sometimes off of Zomba is just fucking terrible when it costs four. And honestly, like it tells you a lot about the quality of Zomba as a card that in the GPI Zomba Amakua deck, you would often go before you had the Zomba. Yeah, because you would want the turtle counters as well. You just get infinite turtle counters. Yeah. Um, to your point, Josh, like you think about another high costed console like Patchwork. So Patchwork, once that hits the board, you just fire Patchwork every turn for the rest of the game. For sure. It's not uh, incidental. It's not incidental. This thing, you, you have want to, pay, to fire it. You have to yeah. pay to five to install this, and then it sits yeah. there and does actually nothing until you pay however much money it costs to get into HQ. Yeah. Which could be like 10 credits, depending on what point. Probably will, because you're not installing this early. 
you're installing this late once you already have the money, which is exactly the point when HQ pressure may not matter anymore. And it doesn't make any of your other HQ pressure cards better. Like it doesn't make Doof better. It doesn't make Embezzle better. It makes the action of click run HQ better, which who gives a shit? And the funny thing is, even in the context of click run HQ, I think it doesn't effectively give you more accesses compared to turntable. Like turntable, if you swap a one pointer for a three pointer, that access is like suddenly basically three accesses, right? Or if you swap away a Nisei token, that is better than any access that the gauntlet can possibly give you. Two credits for that turntable. It's even more than three accesses because I think somebody did the math on it. If you actually do the math, it's something like two to three accesses per point. So when you use turntable for one to three, you're actually getting like something like six free accesses or nine free accesses is what you're getting. You're getting almost as many free accesses as Gauntlet costs to install. Gauntlet, when you think about the math abstractly, as far as accesses go and clicks go, it has so many things going against it where it's sort of like negative that it's not even worth printing on the cardboard, let alone including in your deck, let alone installing. Like, why does it exist? It objectively makes the world worse. This is my least favorite card of the entire game, I think. Uh, and yet, still not the worst console. No. <laughs> what is the what is the worst console? I actually think I know what the worst console in the game is. I think it's actually Maui. Maui. Maui's like the Gauntlet, but it actually doesn't really even give you a payoff. At least Gauntlet kind of gives you the idea of a payoff. But Maui is so bad that people didn't even look at this and they're like, oh, well, this is maybe going to do something good for me. They're just like, no, this card's trash. Oh, no, 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 Maui's trash. You're right. Yeah, Maui's worse, more obviously worse than the Gauntlet. The thing I hate about the Gauntlet is that it tricks you into thinking that it's better than it is because it's like, oh, it might give me extra access. It's one influence. Maui's just awful in every way. I'm going to say at least Maui pays for itself, though. I still think the Gauntlet's worse. Does Maui pay for itself? If you make five (laughs) HQ runs... (laughs) Get out of here. You're banned listen, from the slums cast. Li- li- listen, <laughs> you make we, profit on six. <laughs> listeners, we'd love to hear what you think. So if you drop us a line at MauiWowie at gmail.com, the results will be revealed on the next episode of Slums Cast. That shit ain't true. Speaking of results being revealed, though, that actually brings us to our next segment. This is a new segment called Great Mysteries of Netrunner History. So, all right, I have to give some context here. Normally, when we're scheduling guests for the Slumscast, we kind of ask if they have any particular topics they want to cover during the episode. Usually, we get back very cogent responses. Topics are very straightforward. Something like, I want to talk about this deck, or I want to talk about playmats, or, you know, I want to talk about scoops. However, we got that mostly from Cranks. I think we got a list of about four things, one of which was Fuck Shaper. Absolutely. Thankfully, we covered that topic at length, but we got one. And that wasn't even a new segment. No, it wasn't. It's one that we've been doing this whole time. We got one item in this list that was very confusing to me. The item was Taco Bell was framed. So my question to you, that is one of the great mysteries of Netrunner history. What the fuck? This one I can't explain. There's actually, there is a story behind this. There was a night in DZ and Brian Cronin's stream where the lead off to the episode, they're going to make a fast food tier list 
uh, which I'm, I'm sure already on board. I'm sure you've seen this online. Like this is not a new thing. This is a few years ago now at this point. I'm assuming um, that they didn't use an actual tier list generator. Too. They actually did. You know, oh, whoa, that's, they used wow. like, a real like FGC style tier list maker. It was actually very professional by their standards, but they were making a fast food tier list. And the thing that they were doing that I took umbrage with was I think that they put Taco Bell in like C or D tier. Their rationale, and I may be paraphrasing slightly here uh, because I've been drinking, but their rationale was Taco Bell's using like fake, low quality, shitty meat. It's bad food made by bad people, eaten by bad people. I think they implied that it was like anti-Semitic somehow. And like the thing is like, here's the thing. None of those things are true. Taco Bell just makes great food made by great people who love making great food. It's great. Taco Bell, you can buy a fucking eight course meal for like a buck 280. Okay. It's fine. I'm not saying it's incredible, but like they basically framed Taco Bell for murder that night. And I think that most of the Netrunner community forgot, but I didn't forget. And the world needs to know Taco Bell was framed. Taco Bell is innocent. It's an upstanding member of society and it's fine. Let Taco Bell live. I got to agree with you because. I got to say, there's one thing that I go to Taco Bell for, and it's normally when I'm drunk. I'm not going to lie. But I go for fire sauce. And it really doesn't matter what the food is like other than as a delivery mechanism for said fire sauce directly into my mouth parts. And as long as I can masticate that fire sauce with something else, I'm good, man. Yes, and exactly. It's just to me. So yours is fire sauce. For me, it's a nacho cheese delivery service. Right? Like, that's all uh, it I'll, needs. I'll agree with that too. And yeah. the thing is, it's not trying to be more than it is. I think I have a problem when fast food is like $12. That's outrageous to me. Like McDonald's fancy is, burgers, you know? Yes. Like McDonald's fancy burgers. Taco Bell is dirt cheap and it's not it's unpretentious. It's really filling. It's available till all God knows at what hours of the night. It's great. It, I'm not saying it's the best, but like to sit there and just like talk that much shit about Taco Bell, I think it's a little unfair. The thing that kills me is the argument that it's bad food. I mean, in what world is a McDonald's fancy burger actually higher quality anything else on their menu or Taco Bell's menu? It's not like, and especially when you factor in the value thing, like what am I going to pay for a quarter pounder? Like eight bucks, nine bucks? Are you kidding me? What am I going to pay for a crunch wrap? Like three fifty? Done. Bro, you can get like fucking because like Taco Bell is like the only place that has a real dollar menu now. You can get like eight burritos for eight bucks at fucking. Yeah, you Taco get one of those Bell. boxes. You get one of those box things, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and if all you care about is like fucking like nacho cheese sauce or fire sauce, right? You're right. It, like it's not any better than like a fucking Big Mac or a quarter pounder. And so, okay, so maybe I take the eight burritos and I make it five burritos, but then I get a whole handful of fucking fire sauce, or I get like six cups of nacho cheese. Now I have that delivery mechanism that's no worse than a quarter pounder, but I got fucking five burritos for my eight bucks, motherfucker. I'll give you another reason that no one's touched on. In one word, here's another reason why Taco Bell fucking slaps. Baja Blast. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't think we even needed to go there. I mean... I shouldn't have to say the quiet part out loud, but I'm gonna, because Baja Blast fucking rips. It's awesome. Like, I don't even drink sugar soda, really, but, like, I will make an exception to drink Baja Blast. 
Fuck yeah. And the fact that you can get that with like your five burritos and six cups of nacho cheese sauce for eight bucks. I, if you if you disagree with that, like there's just no place for you. I'm sorry. Get the fuck out. Like, I think we should also stress like I'm not a regular member of this podcast, but I don't believe your podcast is sponsored by Taco Bell, right? They you- brought to you by Carlos Jr. Not answer my emails. But I'm glad you reached out. The important part is that you tried. The only person that's replied to us so far that we've reached out to has been Steve Jobs, apparently. <laughs> we don't need to retread that ground. The, uh, all right, fine. I'll make one. Uh, the, the emails have not stopped. Well, let's move on now. All right. Well, I'm glad that we managed to solve one of the great mysteries of Netrunner history. And honestly, I agree. Taco Bell was framed. Thank you for bringing that to light, Craig. By the way, one final thing on that. If any of you ever join CTZ and Cronin stream at twitch.tv slash San Francisco, please let them know that loudly that Taco Bell was framed. And type it in all if caps. If you do not type it in all caps, they will not read it otherwise. Repeatedly, because like they're going to try to sweep this under the rug and they're going to try to make you forget about what they did. But we need to, like the world needs to know. Uh, feel free to also use the hashtag, uh, hashtag Taco Bell was framed. Agreed, yeah. Do CTZ and Brian have Twitters? I don't believe so. Okay. I am never not, on Twitter myself, but whatever. Let's, let's not get, let's encourage get our audience to brigade someone on Twitter. I think that that's a bad look for our cast. Yeah, you oh, don't need to brigade God. them on Twitter, <laughs> but let's get that shit trending. Like, let's make it yeah. so that he can't help but see it. Don't tweet it at anyone. That's not cool. But, like, if we get that shit trending, then the whole world knows, right? Actually, if you're not normally a part of the Netrunner community and don't normally join San San Francisco's streams, uh, please don't Twitter bomb or Facebook bomb anybody that we have mentioned in this podcast because that's really bad behavior and fuck you. <laughs> but, but do yeah, treat yourself to a, to a large Baja blast only available to talk about. If you know Brian and CTZ from playing Netrunner, uh, absolutely do because the disrespect is necessary. Agreed. Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that voice is almost as crazy as the audio files that Steve Jobs included in his last email. Now that we have the legal text out of the way, Let's move on to our most legal segment, the closing arguments. As always, this is a question that we pose to our guest at the end of the episode, Cranked. The closing argument is this. Let's say that you've recently been appointed czar of Faustian bargains by Nisei. You are allowed to unban Museum of History, but if you do, it says limit one per deck and it can only be played in HB. Do you do it? Probably. Yeah, I probably would. I would make that bargain. There's fun to be had. And cranking people with a limit one per deck card always feels good. I'm on board. I mean, obviously, we shouldn't have to get to that. Let's please get Museum of History back in general. It is the first ever NAB that we've had in Banner NAB. That's pretty historic. We need to get this card off the ban list. I agree. For all of the reasons that we've laid out already, I honestly, I don't know if I would take that Faustine bargain cranked. It, it doesn't matter. The question only for crank it's the closing argument man fair enough josh wants to start a closing argument with me that's, just, what he, that's what he's trying to do <laughs> i i am because i'm saying you're not <laughs> i'm saying you're not going far enough and that's where i'll leave it all right <laughs> all right well you've reached the end of the episode a couple last things to take care of one note that we have generally speaking for people listening to this podcast if you're not already following us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, go ahead, drop us a follow, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Spag's already left an excellent one. You can follow his lead. That'll just help us out. You know, if people are searching Netrunner, we might show up instead of a podcast that stopped producing episodes four years ago and 
no longer exists. You know, that kind of thing. You know, Shout just, out to just Terminal get the 7. slums cast out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As always, we have special thanks this episode. Special thanks to Cranked and special shout outs to Cranked. Do you have any shout outs to give while you're here? Uh, shout outs to username equals pants. Excellent. Any other ones? Fuck them. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I, I feel the love. <laughs> All memes aside, this was super fun. I haven't been on a podcast for Netrunner in like, I don't know, two, three years. And those are actually some of my more cherished Netrunner moments. So I was really, really flattered that you guys wanted to have me on. And considering I haven't accomplished anything in this game, like in years. So thanks. I really appreciate it. This is super fun. All right. And on that note, that ends this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, you can find how to reach us in the show notes. You can find us in Stimps or on Twitter. And if you have any concerns, then we've done our job. We do, in fact, have one additional segment today. That segment, never before seen, is called Watch Game Day. 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 That's right. It's another advertisement. We're here to talk about merch again. I don't want to be those annoying people on podcasts who just talk about their merch all the time. So we can go ahead and make this quick. One reminder all of the proceeds from the merch are going to charity. And we do still need help figuring out what that charity is. Please add us on Twitter. Add us on, uh, I guess StemSelect is actually a reasonable place to add us right now because we currently have the, the free trial of the entire plan. But Twitter is a better place just because that will stick around longer and we can make sure that we still have it in a month. But we still need help figuring out what charity we want to donate the proceeds to. So hit us. Wait, wait, wait. Up. Pants, I, I have a question. Uh, I'm sorry to cut it, but mm-hmm. why would anybody want slums cast merch i mean do you have anybody that we could maybe test this against like is there a person we could get their opinion maybe on uh, on the merch before we decide to put this out in the world i think we actually have someone right here on the podcast uh correct how do you feel uh, about test driving the merch that we have for the slums cast yeah i'll be your focus group i can do that okay all right sick here i'm gonna gonna send you a link here just sent it to you uh, can right. you go ahead and click it and um well the first thing is, is i'm borderline offended by this ipad that you've chosen to make a snap case for ipad 2 what year is it pants what are we doing that is actually one of the hilarious things about Redbubble. is like you can literally get a bath mat with this design on it and be like all right what i want in my life is to have the slums cast logo there when i step out of the shower so that i can stomp on it that is something that you could do in your life if you want it. And do I? I will say that I think I will have to buy. I see that I can get the You're Bad, No You uh, Slumscast logo in the form of either a, a set of four coasters. Well, conveniently, I do mm-hmm. realize that most of the time Netrunner gives you up to four clicks. <laughs> I see some of you are ahead of me. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> so what you're saying is you have these four coasters, one for each click. And you have to down a beer for each click to mark that you've taken it. That's basically what I'm saying without saying it. Yes. That's very on brand. I love that we have that option. Anyway, so Slumscast has merch. Please check out the merch. The merch proceeds are going to charity. Thanks, Greg. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs>